Welcome to episode 36 with Natalie Allport. As a former national team snowboarder and lifelong entrepreneur, Natalie shares how you can go all in in sport, business, and life. Welcome to 8 Billion Gifts. This is your host, Sohil, a footballer, creative, and student. On this show, we talk to all kinds of people to discover their stories, their mindset, and their unique gift. Hey everyone, I'm excited to be here with Natalie Allport, who is a former national team snowboarder, athlete, and lifelong entrepreneur. She runs a marketing agency called 93 Agency, has over a decade of experience in social media, marketing, and personal branding in the athlete, sports, and active brand space. She is a growth mindset and human performance nerd and shares her mental and physical improvement journey online to inspire others to go all in which is also the name of her podcast. Natalie has been featured by several media outlets, including The Globe and Mail, while pursuing her athletic, educational, and entrepreneurial journey. Natalie, thank you for coming on. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Just got an impromptu snowstorm. It was literally sunny five minutes ago, so I'm excited because I love the snow. Yeah, well, for everyone who's listening, so Natalie's, we're, we're pretty close to each other. Um, I'm in Ottawa, Natalie just moved to Chelsea, Quebec, which is just across the bridge. And we are just filled with snow, like there's snow up to our knees right now. So how's the winter been going for you, Natalie? Yeah, I, I mean, it's been going good. I feel like, like we have a lot of snow now, but we got snow so late, like we had that one early snowfall. Um, that like the base isn't that thick. Like I actually, I bought a, like a backcountry split board so I could go touring. Of course we can't travel and go out West or anything. Um, but I, I haven't even been able to use it because like the snow base isn't really thick enough to go anywhere. That's not like had man-made snow to snowboard on. Yeah. Well, I know for you, you like being in the outdoors and doing a lot with snow. So I guess there's a lot that goes into making sure the snow is a certain way. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been planning like a 100 kilometer ski, uh, cross country ski that I want to do to raise money for charity. And I've been like, it's been like a project for like six months. And all it is is waiting for weather like that's entirely. For example, there's a trail near my house and it's like the perfect flat trail to do it on. But it only gets groomed once a week. So if it snows like Monday, it's impossible to do that 100k in one day challenge any day until it gets groomed. Then if it, on the day it gets groomed, it's too cold or it's too warm that the snow is too slow. There's issues. So I've been like every week checking the weather, checking the weather, and it keeps like, okay, next week, okay, next week. Do you know if it's something you'll be able to do this winter? Yeah, so I'm, you know, I was originally thinking maybe this Friday, but now it's going to look like it's it's going to get a little bit cold. And so like even like the ski wax matters. So I want it to be like around the zero to negative 10. Um, and we're going to be doing like a live fundraiser on Clubhouse. So I have to be checking in. So if it's too cold, my hands and my phone or my phone freezes, it just doesn't work. So we're thinking next Tuesday. Um, I have a friend who's also going to walk 550 kilometers. He lives like in the Niagara region at the same time. So we're thinking next Tuesday. But I mean, we've been saying that all winter, just trying to figure out the right date. So as long as the weather doesn't change, it looks like maybe it's going to happen. Well, that's amazing. I'm looking forward to it. Let's stay optimistic and hope next Tuesday works out. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. So, Natalie, let's get into your story because you, you have an interesting story and it's cool to see how it all played out into you running 93 Agency right now. So share with us you know, how, how it all started, some of the highlights along the way and where it brought you to today. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, loaded question because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's just so many things we could we could dive into for sure. But yeah, essentially, you know, I grew up playing basically every sport. Uh, I dreamt of being a pro athlete, but I was also interested in business all along. Like, I think a lot of people transition into business when their sport career is over. But for me, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family, so I wanted to always balance both of those. I was like, I want to be a pro athlete, and my parents are like, okay, backup plan. I'm like an entrepreneur. They're like, okay, sounds good. Um, so the, those are always my things. Like I spent my entire childhood, we didn't have any video games, like didn't really watch TV. I was just outside playing sports. And if I wasn't playing sports, I was writing in my journal, random business ideas. Um, and if I wasn't doing that, then I was probably selling lemonade on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, kind of balancing those things. And, uh, eventually like I played hockey it was my main sport and I found snowboarding. And fell in love with it. And it was a sport that actually really challenged me. Uh, it, I was not good from the get-go. It, it bothers me to this day because my boyfriend just traded his skis in for a snowboard. And yesterday he hit a jump that I built. And I was like, it took me like two years to learn to turn. Like, and to think that, you know, he's been on a snowboard like three times and he's hitting a jump is just mind-boggling uh, to me. But somehow I uh, persevered and uh, made it in, in the snowboard space and ended up when I was uh, just the year after high school, uh, I got into the junior national team. Uh, I did slope-style snowboarding, so it's like all the jumps and the rails. Um, so it actually didn't even get into the Olympics until 2014. So it was actually um, the summer of 2011 that it was announced that it would be in the Olympics. And that's when they actually had to form any sort of national team program. So uh, I ended up spending four years. Part of that, I competed on the world tour circuit, um, kind of traveled the world, snowboarding, basically like my my full time job uh, in a sense. And uh, when you are an action sport athlete, you are an entrepreneur in a sense because you run on sponsorships and on branding yourself and marketing yourself. So I had to really learn and figure that out on my own uh, for the most part. And then that led into starting my marketing agency uh, one year before I ended up retiring and hanging up the boots, um, which happened in 2015. And so from then on, I kind of went full time into my business. I also did like a stint competing in CrossFit, which uh, I haven't done, you know, with the pandemic and all that. But who knows, I might, <laughs> might try to make a comeback, but we'll see. Well, that's interesting. One thing that's really cool is you actually truly experienced what that is like trying to get those sponsorships and you know how, how that process works. So I'm guessing that must be giving you a unique edge with 93 Agency in comparison to like all the different companies out there. Yeah. So like, for example, in the States now, the NIL rules are changing. So name, image, likeness. So all the, the NCAA is hopefully going to pass this pretty soon, but they're supposed to be letting all the college athletes now start making money off their own brand before. Like you couldn't even take a dry, like a, a free taxi ride from somebody as an athlete, as a college athlete. Like there's so many crazy rules. Luckily in snow in the snowboard space is totally different, of course, um, than, you know, the college route, but that's opening up a ton of opportunity. And we see a lot of agencies starting up now who want to be agents for those college athletes, or they want to, um, you know, maybe kind of that broker between, you know, maybe Instagram sponsorships and those athletes, but there's no one really focusing on the education side and there's no one really doing it from this place that they had to do it themselves. It's just people who are kind of, they want to work with athletes or, but they weren't an athlete themselves and had to really learn how to do that themselves. And so I think it does give kind of an edge and it makes me be able to relate, especially with the athletes who know, you know, they, someone can tell them to come in and say, hey, you got to post this many times or do this. But the athlete is going to say, well, my mental health, well, my, uh, 
you know, like I want to focus on my training and like I've been there. Like you don't want social media to take away from all those things. It's like, how can it just be, you know, a fuel to the fire so that you can document your story and no matter what level of athlete, you can kind of play on that bigger level. Yeah. And I like how you're really going deep on sharing the the education behind it and why it's important. I'd love for you to share a bit on why it is important for athletes and other individuals to market themselves. Because I know with like team sports mainly, um, for example, soccer, football, basketball, and a couple others, you typically will get like a yearly salary. And then on top of that, there's going to be sponsorships, right? But it seems like with a lot of these individual athlete sports, or even if you're playing like college, you know, that's not going to be there. So why is it important to, to market ourselves? And then how can we capitalize on the, the amazing free platforms that are out there right now? Yeah, I, there's a great question. There's so many different ways why that's important, even for those team athletes that are making those big contracts. Like you see LeBron is so busy. He could easily be like, I'm never going to go on social media, but he has a bigger purpose to what he wants to do. He wants to make an impact, uh, whether it's through social activism, uh, his own businesses that he has, like his production company. So even the top athletes can benefit from putting themselves out there more because they can make more off those endorsements that they do. They can become more valuable for the teams that they play on and have more negotiation power. Because imagine if that athlete is a bigger brand than the team themselves, the team wants to bring in that athlete, right? Um, so there's a lot of power there. It puts a power back into the player because in a lot of these leagues, the team still hold all the power and they tell the athletes what to do. And um, if you can put the power back to the athlete, I think that just goes to the whole purpose of empowering the athlete. And that's what I'm all about, whether they're a top athlete or they're an athlete who's an underdog coming up and they don't have those big contracts and they do need to learn to market themselves so that they can get endorsements uh, and become a full-time athlete. For example, for me, I had to, uh, in my early days of my snowboard career, take like really shitty, to be frank, like summer jobs. Like I worked as a janitor. I worked like doing anything I could to make money to make my snowboard dreams happen. But that's not conducive to training at the highest level and trying to make the Olympics. It just doesn't work that way. So if, you know, being able to build your brand and use these tools like social media, like social media isn't such as prime versus when I was coming up, you know, Instagram had just started. Um, so nowadays there's so many more opportunities for athletes to, you know, kind of take the power back over their own name and their image and their likeness and be able to empower themselves to use it however they want. And um, another purpose that I, especially when I talk with pro female athletes is to inspire the next generation. Um, pro female athletes are much more uh, engaged on social in the sense that if someone, a young athlete or a fan reaches out to them, they're much more likely to respond than like a LeBron is not going to respond to his random fan messages. Um, but I think that's what actually buys them into the, the message of, you know, building their brand and marketing themselves more than it's more than the money that they can make or earning a living for them. It's like, OK, well, this next generation can be empowered, the, the leagues that they're trying to put up in pro women's sports are gonna survive much better if the athletes themselves have much larger followings and fan bases that they're then bringing the attention into the leagues. And I think that's really cool where you see women's sports is actually marketing themselves in such unique and creative ways that even the men's sports could take notes on that and take that same mentality to grow themselves even bigger as well. Yeah, that's so important. One thing I've noticed the conversation about pro sports or even at the elite level right below that and at the semi-pro level is the outcome is always focused on like what your salary will be whereas you know 
having the education and like what the answer you just gave is amazing because it opens up perspective to what the opportunity truly is. And I think it is an opportunity that has really grown and is continuing to grow like in these last five to 10 years. And step one is just to like have the perspective of it's possible. And then after that, then you can start executing on, well, how do I grow you know, my personal brand as an athlete and, and start creating these opportunities around, let's say, coaching, speaking, getting sponsorships, but then most importantly, making the impact what you talked about, right? And inspiring the next generation. So I think the awareness piece is, is crucial. And then, you know, once you have that down, you can start learning more about how to actually grow your brand and, and to make that impact. Yeah. Well, hundred percent. There's a cool story about like a, a college football player. He was a kicker and he became like, an, um, like he was just so good at making content and he got like pretty popular on YouTube. But then because he started monetizing his YouTube, he was ineligible to, you know, be an athlete and he decided to pursue content creation. And so he was able to make enough money just being a content creator in his sport more than he would have made if he even had gone pro and played in the NFL. Um, and so there are so many opportunities out there, like we see just in the influencer market, influencer marketing space that athletes can really take advantage of and, and bring the power back. That's something that's, you know, it's really important to me, especially when it comes to, say, like the, the woman's side of things is you see like large companies, they're going to want to work with Tom Brady to promote their products. But often they'll go with some random model to promote their fitness products instead of the female athlete. And I'm like, that's like, let's put the power back into the female athlete who's doing this sport to be the people who are making money off uh, working with these brands, not, you know, people outside of it where they would have picked the male athlete. And so, you know, those athletes being able to build their brands on social media and have the knowledge uh, and education to do it and do it themselves and do it well, it just puts the power right back into their hands so that they can, like you said, make a bigger impact. And I think that's what it's all about. It's, it's more than just making more money it's you know athletes are inspirational and it's my goal to like empower athletes to be able to fulfill all their potential that they can and they don't have the financial resources they can't do everything that they want to accomplish what are some you know starting steps that all athletes or individuals can take to market themselves better like what are some platforms they should be thinking about or what what's the type of content that they should be putting out yeah, the, the first thing that I ever, like if I run webinars on this, the first thing I ever bring up is like the mindset piece and it's all comes down to self-awareness. I think like, you know, people will get pulled into the lull of like, everyone should be on TikTok or everyone should be posting video or like LinkedIn is a new thing. They'll get, you'll get sucked into everything that a, like the gurus say or whatever hype train is going on if you don't have that basis of self-awareness. So diving into like, what is your goal? What's that main goal that you want? Is it a certain sponsor? Is it a certain impact that you want to be able to create? Is it just the opportunities that's going to open up? Like just really knowing that and then knowing yourself, like knowing what makes you, you and trying to figure out how, you know, everyone is different. And so figuring out what that is and how you can really play and put that into your story and the content that you share. For example, for me, I was able to get fitness sponsors as a snowboarder uh, because I was into that side and was sharing the behind the scenes of my training for snowboarding. So I was able to go to brands who were working with like Connor McDavid in the NHL and pro football players and say, hey, you have no snowboarder on your roster. I can be that person to bridge the gap and go to like beverage companies and things that no other snowboarder could do that. So I think figuring that out where you can build bridges and what makes you uniquely you is 
just one of the most important starting points. From there, then you have that basis to be able to choose, okay, what are the platforms that fit, you know, my personality? What type of content could I create? And um, that's why the self-awareness is so important because there isn't like one straight answer. Um, You know, for me, I think TikTok is amazing, but I talk to a lot of people who just, you know, they're athletes that are busy and they just will never have the time to film something or they just are really uncomfortable on video. And I could talk them all day about like, hey, let's build your confidence for video. Let's, you know, try to teach you some of these tools or these ways, but it's just not what they're into. Um, And so, you know, when they build that piece of self-awareness, they're able to say, you know what, I'm really much better at written content. I have my team's photographers, so I can take that photo, post it up on my Instagram and write something meaningful to me there. And then um, if they do want to then build into the video side, if they do are able to work on that side, they can build off that first piece of content um, and take, say, that text that they wrote, turn that into a video because the video isn't going to come easy to them, but the writing comes easy. And so how can they then repurpose it across different places? Yeah, that's a great answer. And I'm glad you brought that up. That self-awareness piece is so important because if you skip that, oftentimes you'll get sucked into these you know, these hype trains that you talked about, you start something and then after a couple of weeks, it just wasn't for you. And so you just stop, right? And if you're able to find that, you know, self-awareness and really understand what's going to work for you. And I think a part of that is also like experimenting and just playing around with a couple of different platforms, trying out different types of content and seeing what works. I know for myself, I'm doing a combination of like, sharing the process of, you know, trainings and traveling and all of that. And then also putting in valuable pieces of tips and information. And that combination has worked for me. But I think it really does come down to finding what works for you, because then you're building that base for the long term and not just for a couple weeks. That's exactly it. So everything comes down to sustainability and consistency. And to win on social media, you do have to have that consistency element. And uh, that's like the biggest thing I say to athletes is like, what can you be consistent with? So when they say, what should I be posting about? I said, well, what can you be consistent with? If you're not someone who is interested in the behind the scenes, like you're not, you're an athlete and you're like, okay, I want to film all the training content, but you're not big on that piece and you've never filmed it. uh, Maybe that's not, you know, be self-aware to know maybe that's not your space. Maybe your space is you know, going through talking about maybe the psychology of preparing for a competition or something in that realm, rather than just like the fitness behind the scenes, you know, there's everyone has their different space, but you you definitely have to have that self-awareness to pick and choose and pick and choose what you can be consistent with. Because if as an athlete, it's going to take you one week to create like this amazing video uh, it's probably better to just share some behind the scenes thing three times a week rather than like stressing yourself out, wasting, taking time away from your training to try to create this one masterpiece hype video. For an athlete who's listening right now or any high performer in, in some other field who has not started this personal brand journey and has not put out content, but they want to get to that place where they can be consistent with a specific type of content what would you say is an easy first step? Is it just to start producing any type of video and see what works out? Or do you have any other advice for them to just get started if they've never had experience with creating content? Yeah, I mean, probably they would know if they're better at just like filming some quick, you know, maybe like selfie style videos or if they're better at writing. I think that 
that's what it comes down to at first. There's really, there's like written content. And then, I mean, there is visual content, but at this point, everywhere has a caption, right? So there's like the written content and then there's the, you know, video or visual content. And so someone will probably be able to answer right away, or at least with, you know, minimal time to think about it, of which comes easiest for them. So one thing I, uh, I posted this the other day on my LinkedIn, kind of like a, my strategy on things. So some days for me, I feel like I flip flop between both of those. And I am kind of on most of the social media platforms. So some days for me, it's like a 15 second TikTok comes really easily. And I'll just think about the idea because I've been spending time on TikTok and looking through the content. So I'll create that first, but then I'll write it up and make it into a LinkedIn post and like make it a little bit more professional, but maybe it's a tip on mindset. So that fits in with, you know, the professional content on that platform. Then maybe I'll take that, put it into a, you know, a photo of me training and type it up again for Instagram. So I'm reformatting it for all these places, but I'm just starting with the one idea that came the easiest. And some days for me, that is writing. And so I'll write something up on LinkedIn and then turn it into a TikTok video, then turn it into something different. Um, but I think wherever you can create content, the easiest first and then build off there. Like maybe it's a tweet. A tweet takes not much time, you know, to write out 140 characters or whatever it is uh, and send it out there. And if you get some good feedback, you can then turn that whole idea into a long form LinkedIn, into a video concept. Um, one of the cool things about TikTok is you can film a 15 second video. People are really reacting to it. Okay, let me think if I can make this into a 10 minute YouTube video from this concept. But if you started with that YouTube video first, you've invested a lot of time into that initial testing and feedback versus if you can do whatever comes with the least resistance and then build off that. Yeah, that's a great point. Finding whatever is going to be the easiest first, but then also knowing it's okay to have a little bit of friction at the start. I know for myself, when I, I started with TikTok at the beginning, it was very difficult to try and figure out what to post and to come up with ideas. But now being a couple months in, like you said, sometimes it's 15 minutes and a piece of content goes out. So if you can find something that is on the easier side, perfect, but then also realize that, you know, after weeks and months, you're going to get to that point where it's just ticking and it's going to be a lot easier. Yeah, that, I mean, and I think that's a cool thing about like for, for an athlete or someone who is a high performer, whatever they do, they've had to, you know, overcome some difficulties, like they were learning how to squat, and it was not easy at first, or, um, you know, they were trying to learn how to do their own accounting, and it wasn't easy at first, or those things, and it, definitely the same thing happens, but it gets to the point where your brain kind of becomes in content creation mode. For me, like yesterday, I was out snowboarding in my front yard, uh, built this little snowboard park, and all of a sudden, I I realized something really funny of a way that I could like move through the snow um, on my snowboard because the snow was really deep and I was like trudging through. And my brain, because I spent so much time on creating TikToks, turned that into a TikTok idea within seconds. And then it took my boyfriend like two minutes maybe to film me, it took me two minutes to post it. And then that was a super easy idea. From there, I could sit down and think about how I could turn that into longer pieces or different pieces of content. But yeah, once you start spending that time, things do start moving easier and your brain kind of gets in that content creation mode where you're like, hey, this thing that just happened, that would be a really cool thing to record and, you know, post up. That's awesome. Natalie, what are currently the main services and activities that you do with 93 Agency? And then what are you most excited about this year in terms of the company growing? Yeah, so mostly what we do is consulting and uh, and on the education side. So running webinars and things to groups of athletes. I'm really, really passionate about that because oftentimes, you know, an individual athlete, especially if they're an up-and-comer, which is like my passion, like I do have the opportunity to work with, you know, pro athletes and obviously they have more money that they can invest into, you know, private consulting. 
But when you see an up-and-coming athlete, I think that's where the value is, and they might not be able to afford things one-on-one. And so going straight to the teams or the brands uh, or the schools and then consulting from there is what I'm really passionate about. So most of what we do is in that space. We've also been working basically for the last year on a course um, that's going to be really affordable for any athlete. So even if they're like a high school athlete, um, it's going to be something that anyone can can afford and learn these things because there's really nothing out there in that space, uh, specifically for athletes. And I think it's just so important to let athletes learn that for themselves, even if they are going to be a pro and hire an agent, it's going to help them make those decisions better and know if their agent is even doing a good job. Um, so that's something that we're working on. I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, we just started a, a new TikTok. So actually I like, you know, I spent a lot of time on my personal TikTok, but I never created a business TikTok. And uh, I don't post much athlete marketing stuff on my personal uh, TikTok. So I created a new one at Athlete Marketing. And that kind of blew up over this past week since it started, which has been amazing. Hopefully we're going to get to 10K within eight days. So I'm excited about that. Um, but it's, it's cool to see that there's so many people who could benefit from the athlete marketing work outside of like, I already know, you know, in the pro athlete space and those up in, you know, that higher level space, but like high school athletes, they're all going to have to make that decision now that the NIL rules are changing. And so I think it's just super important to empower them with the knowledge. Well, what I love about that is your focus is on, you, you work with everyone, but your focus is on like the up and coming. And I think that group of athletes really do need it the most because often they're not aware of the opportunity out there. I like that you just got on TikTok with the with the business account because sometimes even watching like a 15 second piece of content can be the gateway to then diving deeper into the opportunity and learning more about it. And honestly, something like this can really impact an athlete's lives like in the coming years if, if they make the right moves. So that's awesome. I think it is cool to see, right, that like, you know, even on TikTok, like there's now the learn on TikTok section, for example. Yeah. And you really can learn something in that short of a time frame because, I mean, knowledge, there's not not really new knowledge out there anymore. It's more about how can you gather these old ideas and format in a way that, um, you know, appeals to a certain audience. And that's what pretty much anyone who's like an influencer or anyone who has any sort of following on social media does right like any sort of content creator it's not like it's a brand new idea out of nowhere i think like the age of information is over it's now the age of critical thinking and filtering that information and you know taking that information and taking it to your specific audience and dumbing it down not dumbing it down in a you know in a negative sense but making it simpler so that they understand Uh, And so I think that's where, you know, you have to be able to do that and take all this knowledge that, you know, you learned in business school, you learned in sport marketing, whatever it is, into a 15 second video, or I guess it can be up to one minute and explain those hard concepts to someone in high school, I think is, you know, really valuable and it can change because a lot of these people, maybe they've been told this before, but being told by the right person at the right time in the right way can make all the difference. That's very true. You have your own podcast called All In with Natalie Allport. What does it mean to go all in? Yeah, so I think a lot of people think that all in means like neglect everything and focus, hyper focus on one thing. Um, And so I'm all about like going all in on your life, like in general, whatever part of that that you want to master. You know, for me, I want to be a high performer in every aspect for a long time. It was only in the sport realm, and that caused me to forget about the emotional aspects, the relationship aspects, all these other different aspects. And so 
now All In has kind of matured into uh, a concept of just being all in on pursuing your potential. So what's, you know, how can you get 1% better every single day? How can you reach your best potential in all the aspects in your life that are important to you, whether that's in sport, that's in business, or that's in your relationship, in your financial management, in, you know, the way you take care of your health or your parents, whatever it is, uh, you know, just being all in and being fully present and not accepting, just kind of settling for whatever's going in now. It's like, let's take some risks and let's bet on yourself. That message, I think, ties really well into what I saw on your website, which is it's not how big you are, it's how big you play. Can you tell us what you mean by that? Yeah, so when I was a kid and I played hockey, like I'm five foot seven now, I think. But when I was a kid, I was like the small, I went through growth spurt super late. So I was the smallest kid on my hockey team. And one of the parents of another girl who was pretty small, she she said, it's not how big you are, it's how big you play. And that always resonated with me. It was like, okay, I'm not, you know, the biggest. I'm not the person that everyone is like, keep their eyes out on, but I'm going to work super hard and I'm going to create some opportunities here. Like I'm going to be unsuspecting. Um, And so for me, especially like that's the quote on on our business website, it's because I am all about empowering the underdog. And so it's not how big you are, it's how big you play. When I was a national team snowboarder, there were other members of the national team who were better than me. uh, And I was able to get some bigger sponsorship deals and some more unique sponsorship deals just because I was really, you know, working really hard, especially on the marketing myself side and, you know, figuring that stuff out. And so it didn't matter how big I was, I was able to play on this bigger playing field because I you know, put the effort in and worked on this side. And now some of them have gone on to win X Games gold medals and still come back to me years later asking for sponsorship contacts. And I'm like, you should have these. Like (laughs) you're on that, like literally the top level that there is. Yeah, well, that's such a powerful message. Like understanding that it it kind of plays in with, you know, it's not it's not about the the cards you're dealt. It's about how well you play with them, right? Well, what are the moves you're gonna make, and what's the effort you're you're going to put in? And as you were talking, like I was thinking about you know tactical things that people who go all in would implement, like you know making connections, being resourceful, taking risks, finding finding the opportunity in situations where other people might not find an opportunity. So. I think it's just a mindset and it's it's like a way of life and, and a way of like tackling the challenges that, you know, might come, you know, as you move through your life. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, as a snowboard athlete, like snowboarding is a very expensive sport. It takes a lot of resources. You have to fly around. Uh, you know, you, you have equipment that's expensive, but the travel is obviously expensive. You know, most of these ski hills, it's upwards of a hundred plus dollars a day. Uh, coaching was $150 a day, like things are not, not cheap. And I was not born into a rich family, like many of my competitors. So that mentality kind of continued through where it was like, that's why I had to learn how to market myself because I didn't have, you know, my parents paying for my flights. I didn't have, um, some of these things that were kind of given to me. And so it wasn't, you know, like, like, uh, like the quote says, it wasn't how big, uh, I was, it wasn't the opportunities or the resources that I was just given, It was like, how can I make everything happen with what I do have? And how can I open up these opportunities for myself? And, you know, if if I'm not learning tricks as well as the guy, the guy, the girl beside me, how can I like go in the gym and get stronger and prevent injury so that maybe when they get injured, I can keep working and get ahead in any of those other aspects. And that perfectly ties into one thing 
you're big on, which is seeking discomfort. Why do you seek discomfort and what are the benefits in it? Right. So, I mean, I think seeking discomfort is a privilege in a, in a sense, because there's a lot of discomfort that we can't choose in our life. And some people definitely are uh, have more discomfort in their lives than others. But for me, you know, a, seeking discomfort, no matter what else is going on, if there's other discomfort that's thrown upon me, I'm going to be able to better handle that if I'm able to seek it and train myself to overcome it. So things like cold baths, that elicits a stress response, and you're able to then try to overcome that stress response and reach the sense of presence and calm. So when similar things happen in business, when things aren't going well or in sport that aren't going well or just, you know, arguments with people in life, you can try to manage that stress response and you can sit back and take it from a different perspective because you've been able to train, you know, your nervous system how to respond. And I think in many ways, it's so important to do that. But I also think just in general in life, you can't grow without expanding your comfort zone. And that's obviously going to take some discomfort. It's going to take pushing those boundaries and going out there and taking risks that you you feel really worried about at first. Maybe your money's on the line, maybe your reputation, uh, whatever it is. But that's the only way that you're going to be able to achieve something great. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think Seeking discomfort is the gateway to increasing our capabilities as humans and what we're able to do. You know, if we never take challenges, if we never step a tiny bit out of that comfort zone, then we're never going to explore what we're truly capable of. And it's kind of what you said. It's like you're getting the reps in, you're getting the practice in for other areas of your life where there might be challenges. So this idea of seeking challenges I think is something everybody can be doing. And I I would actually love, Natalie, for you to give everyone a challenge right now. Um, Everyone listening in now, this can be a one-time challenge. This can be a seven-day challenge. This can be a new habit. But one challenge that comes to your mind that you want to give everyone listening right now to try uh, in, in sense of seeking discomfort and stepping out of their comfort zone. Yeah, that's that's a great one. I would say um, reach out to two new people every single day. That's something that's on my habit list that like has nothing to do with the cold showers or the like health habits. I have very rare, like very few habits that are outside the health space uh, and like mindset space on my habit app. But that's one of them. And it's, you know, reach out to two new people every single day um, because you never know where those connections could take you. And I think um, you know, it's easier in a sense to like do physical challenges where I, at least for me, especially as an athlete to like, okay, let me go outside in the cold. And I'm used to doing physical challenges, but doing, you know, emotional challenges or social challenges, that's a little bit more difficult. It, you know, really gets you outside of your comfort zone. And then those, because you can know what to expect when you go out in the cold. It's kind of like an expected experience. When you talk to someone, reach out to someone new, you don't know what could happen. It's another person that has their own uh, mindset, has their own um, thoughts of what they want to happen with that relationship, whether it's they want to sell you something or they want to build a relationship and start a new business with you, whatever it is. So there is that element of unknown. Um, So I think reaching out to two new people and try that for a week and see what happens. Yeah, that is such a great challenge. And I think a challenge like that seems simple, but is can be complex. 
can have such a positive impact in your life, especially now that we're going through this pandemic and we're not seeing people so much. Just having some type of social connection is huge. So if you are listening and you're going to be taking on the challenge, reach out to two new people every single day for the next seven days. And if you do it, hit up Natalie or I and let us know how it went because we would love to hear. Yes, yes, definitely do it. I mean, it was something that changed my life. Like I was someone who's, you know, I like to work hard in silence is kind of my whole motto. And when the pandemic happened, um, you know, a guy who's became a great friend of mine reached out and said, hey, let's like have a Zoom call. I never met him before. He was a former pro hockey player and he was in a similar space doing like branding and marketing and different things. And when we were talking, it like he kind of challenged me in a sense of like, you know, reaching out to new people. He's like, well, I just reached out to you and built this connection like you could be reaching out to people as well. And I was like, yeah, why haven't I been doing as much of that as I could be like, you know, like there's new people who are following me on social media, but I'm never actually talking to them or reaching out or seeing what's going on or, you know, building those connections. And so that's been a huge game changer for me over this past year, really since the pandemic happened. And it's easier now than ever. Like people are spending more time online than ever. Some of those people that maybe are high up in business or sport, they're more accessible than ever. And so, you know, reach out, you never know what could happen. And I think that's the thing as athletes, like our main, a lot of what we do is physical. So often we forget about these other areas of life and we, you know, routines, you know, just go on and, and we become comfortable in them. So doing something like reaching out to two new people, that's something that's going to challenge yourself in the relationship space, in the emotional space. And just the idea of taking on a new challenge and trying something else is, is something everyone can benefit from because there's always going to be one area of your life, at least, where you've just had some routine for a month for a year for two years and there's going to be a lot of benefit to uh, to breaking it and and reaching the next level of that bucket yeah exactly like you want your habits to be constantly growing because otherwise when they do become so routine then you're not present in them anymore like that is one of the cool things about habits is you do want them to become kind of subconscious where you're naturally waking up early if that's one of the things you want to do or you're naturally like you have the cold shower every morning but if it becomes so routine that you're just checking boxes and you're not in it getting the benefit of it anymore, then it's not actually doing anything. You're just kind of walking through the motions. And so there is that importance of taking on a new challenge or auditing the current habits and the different areas in your life that you haven't upgraded yet. Mm, that's interesting. I'm wondering, do you do those audits in your own life? And if so, is that a very frequent thing? Is that like a weekly thing, a monthly thing, just to do a check-in and see like, okay, this area here, I've been too comfortable. I need to step up. Yeah, great, great question. I, you know what, I probably fall on the end of the spectrum where I maybe do it too often. Okay. You know, like you, you see some people that are like, you maybe do it annually and then like commit to this. And I'm like tweaking things every day. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well this didn't work, but I, I, you know, for me, it is fun to do that. It doesn't actually like cause me stress to be like playing around with those things. I think if it, if it is, then you're probably, you know, spending too much time auditing and you should just be, you know, commit to the process. For me, like I wear a wearable device and different things. So I'm always tracking and monitoring and seeing, you know, does this impact my stress? Does this impact my recovery? Is this actually moving the needle forward? Is this the optimal time of the day for me to work on creative projects versus focus projects? Like I'm always trying to optimize that, but there is definitely value of just spending time in that zone rather than always trying to tweak it. 
But I would say, you know, at, at least annually write things down. Maybe some people do this around the new year or whenever it is, but try to do some of those things or at least have something that maybe it's weekly or even daily where you're at least journaling things and then you can go back and review it. For me, I have uh, like I journal in the morning. Um, there's like a journal as part of my wearable device, you know, for kind of like health and fitness type habits. But then I also try to do like a little bit of uh, a deeper review with decisions. So anytime I make a, you know, something good happens or something kind of negative happens where I didn't perform how I wanted, whether it's in um, a speaking event or sport or my energy, whatever those things that kind of were off, I'll write about it and then I'll write what led up to it. And if something was really positive that really stood out, I'll do the same thing so that I can over time look back and then think, okay, well, every time that I, you know, kind of had an energy low or made this mistake, what led up to it was it because I scheduled things in the time where I was really low energy was it because I did didn't sleep three nights in a row before like you know and same thing with the positive decisions it was like oh well you know I went for an amazing walk every morning that I had that positive experience or whatever it is so you can pick up these habits but you do have to have tracked enough of these things to be able to then look back and have habits because if it's only like one positive experience one negative experience then there's no you know actual enough data like a scientist would say that there's not a big enough data pool to you know have any type of correlation or causation in there based on all the trackings you're doing right now what would you say is you know if you had to pick one thing in terms of human performance uh, you being the lab rat, really, right? Like you being the, the performance. Um, what's like one thing that you're currently really looking to improve on in your own like behaviors and what you do throughout the day? Yeah, so for me, it's like scheduling my day and what I do when. So I'm I'm really like deep into that right now. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd on neuroscience. Like I've been trying to like listen to all the podcasts and read everything I can about some of those things and like when your brain is in different states because um, like in my past history of sport, I've had a lot of concussions. Um, I've always dealt with ADHD. Um, I, I had a, when I think it was probably four years ago now, um, a thing where I ended up getting a heart issue and then having mono and for six months I couldn't train or do anything. Um, so I've all these things that I've experienced I've realized that energy is so important and my energy has been like permanently affected by some of these things that I've experienced. And so I have to be extra cognizant of my energy flows throughout the day and realizing what gives me energy, what doesn't. Um, If I'm going really hard on a day that I have high energy and then it's leaving me with no energy the day before, how can I balance those things out? Um, So I think, you know, a top tip, and I think this can help anyone, whether they have ADHD, whether they've had the concussions or whatever, like our energy is limited. We're not going to be focused 100% of the day. And so trying to figure out those times a day where things work best for you is going to really enhance your productivity rather than, you know, going uphill and thinking we have unlimited mental willpower. Uh, You know, we could talk about mindset and motivation all we want, but none of us are going to be motivated or have the mental willpower uh, at 100% full steam every hour of the day. It's going to flow. And so figuring that timing out, which is kind of, you know, it's a pretty personal journey because I think it's different for everyone. In terms of being aware of your energy levels throughout the day, if we're looking at it tactically, what would you recommend people do? Is it journaling or is there something else that comes to mind? 
Yeah, I would say like, yeah, keeping track of some of those things. I do know that there's like, you can look up some things with circadian rhythm and whatnot. And there is like kind of a normal energy flow. And depending like if you are a night owl or if you're a morning person, those things will will change. But there is usually kind of this flow where, you know, you wake up, you're not fully awake, you might need some warm up time. And then usually maybe we hit a peak kind of mid-morning. And then a lot of us have that, you know, afternoon crash in the middle of the afternoon. And then it kind of steadily rises up a little bit back after that. Um, And so figuring some of those things out, I have learned, though, uh, from some of the podcasts that I've listened to, which I actually thought this was the opposite. And this is something I've really, you know, kind of flipped my mind on, was that for me, I was like, okay, all my creative work has to be in my high focus time. But it's actually the opposite. So it's actually in that state of like when you are kind of fatigued where you can do the creative work, but that's like the ideas, but not the implementation. Then that high focus time, it's like linear implementation time. So I've been realizing, okay, well, say later in the afternoon, that's when it's my creative thinking time. I'll write down a ton of ideas, but then I have to know that I'm not going to implement them until the next morning when I'm back into that implementation time. Otherwise, they're going to take me twice as long. Like for me to go and create a graphic or create a video is probably going to take me twice as long in that low energy state versus a high focus time. But vice versa, when I'm in that high focus time, it's hard for me to slow down and try to think of a creative idea. That's so interesting. I didn't I didn't think it would work like that. Yeah. Just to recap then, when you are in your low energy states, you should be planning and coming up with creative ideas and then when you're in your higher energy states that's when you're actually executing on those creative ideas yeah I, so before i thought it was the opposite because i wanted to be my best in the creative ideas right but um yeah so what i've learned is that you know kind of that's why when we're just going to bed we might have some crazy idea or why some people they might use like um psychedelics or whatever creative drugs to put them in this relaxed state or this altered state where they're very you know relaxed and kind of in not full like you know hyper focus mode and then they come up with some creative ideas but it's very hard probably in those altered states especially if you're sleepy to actually then go and like let me write the essay on this or let me create the thing on this and so um, that's been something that I've learned. I think, you know, from the neuroscientist that I, that I learned it from, he was saying that, for example, in his, he doesn't have to do hugely creative tasks, but they have to do a ton of research. So he's like, I do my research in that low area because I'm just kind of consuming information and trying to build different, you know, connections, which is what creativity is, building connections between different pieces of information. And then he's like, then I, you know, step back from it. And then the next morning when I'm in my, like, execution mode then I'll actually like write up a study or you know those those things that you need to actually put into practice well I'm gonna try that out and see how it works (laughs) (laughs) I yeah you know what I thought the opposite and then it kind of totally changed my mind and I was like let me go back to my daily calendar and like move everything (laughs) yeah because I was thinking like my admin tasks I should do those later in the day because I'm like they're not important like you know just kind of editing things or clipping things whatever um, and I was like, I'll do them when I'm tired. But then I was always realizing, like, how come I get to the end of the day and, and I think that I haven't done enough because it took me so long to do those admin tasks later in the day, although I was very productive earlier. So I flipped it on, on its end after I listened to that podcast. And in the mornings, I went hard at doing some of those, you know, answering emails, doing those linear tasks and realized I was able to do like a full rebrand of something in like an hour and all these things that would have taken me in those low states so much time. 
And then in those little states, just let yourself, your brain be creative and think of those things. If you are, and especially in a creative role where you're trying to think of new ideas, um, where you just need the time and space to explore them. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's, you know, the, the whole idea of strategically like planning out when you're going to do certain tasks can be very important in terms of like managing your energy. And there's just so much valuable information coming out in the neuroscience space that, you know, if you actually applied those areas to your life, you can 10 extra productivity and, and, and your wellness in life. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, it's been something that I've been nerding out about lately. And uh, I do think it's important for everyone to understand that, right? Because I think we all get to points in the day where we're just pushing through. Um, and if we can realize that, you know, there's ways to make things have less friction and not be fighting against the grain in a sense, um, that will only help us. Because I think for most of us, like, our goal isn't to have this calendar that's packed full of tasks to do. It's like, you know, we have we want to have time to do other things, to walk our dogs, to hang out with family, maybe to travel. And so, you know, productivity just for the sense of productivity maybe isn't it, but it's productivity so that we can be present um, and, you know, maximize the use of our brains and our energy at the right times. So we have more time to do those other things that we like to do. That's amazing. Natalie, let's uh, get into our last segment which is quick fire questions so these can be answered in one sentence or a couple the first one is what was your favorite moment being part of team canada traveling with the team and like meeting people from other countries whenever we went to like junior world championships was always my favorite um you just gotta hang out with all the different people from the other countries and you would see them at the, like, these world cup events but in this competition it's only people under 21 so you just get to hang out with you know you feel like you were all the underdogs at these bigger events when you go see them later but you guys all get to hang out and kind of you know party and see different uh, places so i you know i don't really miss hitting all the you know 100 foot jumps but i <laughs> i miss uh you know hanging out with everyone and that vibe of everyone who's so passionate about what they do and working to be the best at what they do and then just you know hang out as normal people <laughs> I'm guessing it must have been cool, too, to see the cultural differences in how, you know, people approach trying to be the best at certain things. Yeah, you know what, that's, I really, I really do miss that of like seeing, you know, you, you see people from 20 different countries and you get to hang out. And I remember one of my friends and I, we made friends with the guys on the Italian team. And so we were hanging out with their team that whole week and, you know, just seeing they have such a different culture and, you know, view on life and different things and, you know, learning about how they approach things versus the people on the other team or you know we had like the french canadians on our team and hearing them try to talk with the people from france <laughs> and the different accents like those are all just yeah. great memories and it's cool to see that and it, i think it's cool how sport brings people from all different countries together and you can learn these things about different countries without necessarily having been to all of them that's awesome what has been the worst injury you've had oof there are many to choose from. <laughs> um, I think breaking my tailbone was pretty bad because it, it lasted a while. Like even still to this day, sometimes if I sit in certain ways, I'm like, ooh, this does not feel comfortable. Um, so that one was probably the most painful. But, you know, surprisingly, it didn't take me out for as long because there's nothing you can really do for it. So I was snowboarding again like two weeks later, just in really, really extreme pain. Um, but I would say that's probably one of the most painful ones what has been your favorite place you have visited Ooh. Mm. 
Well, uh, so not not in snowboarding, Bali for sure. I've gone to Bali twice, and I actually named my dog uh, Bali. It's funny because people <laughs> pronounce it two different ways, uh, yeah. and so they get confused because I'm like, I went to Bali and then named my dog Bali, and they're like, well, that makes no sense. And I was like, it, it doesn't make sense to me either. But <laughs> um, so that place definitely has a huge impact on me uh, because I went there when I was having a really tough time after I retired from sport. Um, so I really like that, but within sport, I think, I mean, the West coast is beautiful, but I, I went to Spain for one of the junior world championships and it was a really cool experience. Cool. What brings you the most joy? Good question. My dog, maybe, um, I, you know what? I think just everything, you know, I've been journaling a lot about it lately, like literally just breathing and living and being outside and seeing family working on projects like yeah everything kind of brings me joy but uh you know hanging with my dog and just being right in the present moment that's definitely um where I'm feeling the happiest some great perspective what is one physical challenge you'd love to take on that you haven't yet Definitely that 100K ski that I'm going to do. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, because I, you know, I've only yeah. ever really cross-country skied maybe like probably less than 15K at a time. Like I don't go, I go out for like an hour. So this is going to be like a 12 plus hour project for me because I'm not a pro. Like if you were fast and maybe it's like nine hours or eight hours, but it's going to be like probably like 15 hours by the time <laughs> I take breaks to eat and everything. That's cool. Well, I'm really hoping it happens next week. Natalie, let us know where we can connect with you and support you and find out more about your journey. Yeah, uh, I'm just at Natalie Allport on like every platform. So, you know, Instagram is probably the main one. And my website's also natalieallport.com. Cool. All those links are going to be in the show notes. So make sure you check out Natalie. And finally, um, just a quick reminder to the challenge, reaching out to two new people every day. So try and do that for the next seven days. On top of the challenge, Natalie, I'd love for you to leave everyone off with a final message as they're wrapping up the podcast. This can be around anything, but just some final words as they're finishing up the podcast and tackling their day. Yeah, uh, one of the quotes I have up just on my wall in front of me is nothing is great unless it is at peace. And to me that, you know, I pursued sport at the highest level and forgot about a lot of other aspects in my life, uh, like we were kind of discussing of these other aspects. And so uh, I think, you know, success is great and whatever you want to achieve, you know, achieving those goals, whether it's in business and sport and in life. But if you're not present to actually enjoy it, then what's the point, right? If you're that billionaire CEO, but you can spend no time with your family or enjoying it what is really truly the point um so i think nothing is great unless it's also at peace yeah that's a great message natalie thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me thank you for listening to this week's episode of the eight billion gifts podcast check out the links in the description if you are looking to get connected with this week's guest this is a great platform to expand your network connect with people who come on and to learn something new at the same time stay tuned for next week's episode featuring a new story and mindset In the meantime, keep learning, keep growing and have an amazing day.